Welcome to the Shadow Net. My name's Phil, aka Zero Maxima. It is scoop season. But first, threat level alpha. If you've never listened to the Shadow Net, uh, we can get quite crude. I'm giving listeners here a moment to turn it off before I introduce the next person on the podcast. He's known to be a little bit rude at times, uh, but you know, I think we might be talking about butt stuff soon, so like. That's your warning. My extra special guest today, the cause of our first ever complaint about language, here to tell us again to eat his ass. It's Eric Kielbeck. I mean, I only tell people to eat my ass when I think it's justified. You know what I mean? Like, I'm only doing it when I think I'm in the right. But like, 2022, year of our Lord, is it not okay to talk about eating ass? No, for sure. Like, I'm pro, like, I think I'm, I'm sex positive. Like, I'm, I'm currently not an eater of ass, Mm -hmm. but... I think if if I dislike you, if I dis, if I disagree with your opinion, I'm gonna tell you to eat my ass. I think that's just fair. That's just I want to I want to live in a just and free society where I can tell the, my my opponents to eat my ass. There's no if I said that on Jada, I would probably get that. Like straight up. Ah, uh, good thing too. Bonus guest today. It's Morgan from NSG and Zakay. Tell us how they go down under, down under. Oh. I knew it would be bad, but, you know. This is so bad. <laughs> Morgan <laughs> left. It's so good to have you, Morgan. It's so it's great bad. To be, it's, it's great to be here where the sun shines a lot. <laughs> so is it summer right now in Australia? As of today, yes. It is, in fact, summer. Yeah. How the fuck does that make any sense? Uh, okay, so you know how the Earth is tilted on its axis? Yeah. And the... The way that, you know, orbits work means that the tilt is going to be, you know, kind of at a different angle to the sun, depending on the time of year, because of our orbit around the sun. So it basically means that at certain times of the year, the northern hemisphere is going to have more time where it is facing the sun, or like closer to the sun, than, um, you know, than when it's not. And then the same thing happens during the opposite part of the year for the southern hemisphere which means that the seasons are different they're just so the seasons so the summer is just when we're closer to the sun uh in a general sense yes there's there's more to it than that but but pretty much yeah you're tilted towards the sun is Um, it nice we we forgot (laughs) about summer i feel like eric got traumatized coming to calgary yesterday it was not nice it's still not nice it's cold it's cold and like it's not it's i mean it's it's snowy and it like there's snow on the ground in vancouver and it's still like only zero degrees you know i also i always feel bad whenever we do an episode that's like semi-official in any capacity because i feel like we get the most new listeners on these episodes and someone's gonna listen to this episode and just be like what the fuck are they talking about i think we play netrunner you're the narrative director for not signal games, Morgan. Yeah, I am. And yeah. Do you I want to talk play. about? You also play that. What do you want? Do you want to talk about what a narrative director is and what your obligations are? Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely do that. Uh, yeah. So as um, narrative director for basically any game, really, uh, the overarching area that I 
deal with is just yeah anything that relates to the actual like narrative thematic undertones and overtones of the game and how that's expressed not only in any direct uh you know actual story content so fiction dialogue uh actual story writing but also within how the playing of the game relates to the themes in the story itself so that latter stuff is something that like in the industry we refer to as narrative design uh which is something that most gamers are not terribly familiar with or usually if you say hey i'm a narrative designer they'll be like the hell does that mean um games writing is like the thing that most gamers are gonna you know understand but narrative design is like a very complex uh and much deeper sort of thing that a lot of a lot of people will realize but it, to put it in like a really general sense it's like the the area where game design and games writing uh intersect and uh it's actually way more important for games that have good storytelling than most people would realize and the reason i bring this up is because netrunner has like incredible narrative design uh the kind of core way that you play the game also informs the storytelling of it and the setting and the you know storytelling of what a runner is what a corp is and what they do is then also directly represented by the way that we play the game uh and so every card that we make kind of needs to blend into that otherwise there will be kind of some kind of dissonance intrinsic to that that even players who are usually not at all interested in theme or flavor will still notice uh and so it's yeah like really important that when we figure out you know what a set's theme is or what a faction's theme is for a, for a cycle that not only are like the card names and the art and the flavor text and all that jazz you know tied into either you know that or just like the faction as a whole or the character as a whole uh but also that the mechanics of it kind of demonstrate that as well and it's like tied in with that too so that's the sort of stuff that you know i work to kind of you know ensure uh happens for our our uh, cards and i've been and loving the, the theming we've been seeing so far yeah. can i ask you to take us on a journey with a a very specific example do you have one in mind oh absolutely ontological dependence what, what oh, the hell were you thinking Oh, okay. So, okay. Do you know okay. what that means? I had to look it up. I now have a somewhat of an understanding of ontology as a whole. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, okay, so for uh, the uninitiated, I will give a very, 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 very broad uh, definition. Um, ontological dependence is essentially the concept where somebody's self-actualization or like their uh determination of like who they are their own self-identity is dependent on an external uh entity of some way as of sorry of some some sort so it might be you know their family it might be something to do with the culture that they're from their religion uh it could be 
you know, their partner. Uh, it could also be like, you know, something that they're extremely into. But either way, the thing that makes this significant is that if you were to remove their access to that entity, that external force that, that you know, defines them, it will cause a significant and severe breakdown in their own like mental state and their uh, you know self identification. Um, that's how like strong that dependence uh, has you know developed, um, and you see that a lot mostly with regards to like people being removed from culture or religion uh, or from family situations uh but it can happen like from other things as well so it's like a it's mostly like a philosophical concept that is also um rep you know uh studied and whatnot in psychology as well but it's um like a really old uh, philosophical account. concept but yeah, yeah it's you've, you've put it to work here in an incredibly dark way yeah. for hb yeah, the HP's, HP is like, I mean, like, HP historically, they're the fucking faction that has, like, brain taping warehouse and shit. Like, they were, ne and, um, test, uh, what's the fucking card called? Uh, test grounds. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they're not the good guys, you know? Like, none of the corps are, but I feel like historically you're like, oh, who's the worst corp? NBN, Mass Controlled Media, Waylon killing you. Uh, this set, like, I don't know, HP's, HP's doing work. <laughs> I, I will say that, like, one of the things I have a question for you about in terms of the narrative design, it's like, one of the things I like about this set a lot is that, um, so it takes place in the Arctic, obviously, uh, a lot of it, some of it is, like, tied in the overarching narrative, so this is, like, fight between, like, Essa and Wayland, and, like, Wayland and Ob and exploiting the natural resources, and that, like, is seen through a bunch of cards. But then you kind of have just, like, um, the Shaper cards, which are just, like, boat-themed. And, like, I like not to undermine it, I like the boat-themed stuff. It's really fun. Like, it's like, oh, you got Orca, and you got, like, a turbine, and you got, like, all these propeller, all these cool shit. What, how, how do you decide, like, sometimes, like, how do you decide when it's, like, okay, we're going to have, like, a set of cards that are, like, are really, like, narratively tied together in terms of telling a story? Like, I would argue, like, the Wayland cards are between the two sets. And... How do you decide when you get a bunch of cards that are more just like sort of like, um, like a deep dive into like a, a certain aspect of the world, but not like necessarily telling an explicit story, like with the shape of cards. So I, I guess that kind of comes about from not wanting to divide focus quite so much. So when you do have like a really particularly strong storyline or character arc that you want to express in a cycle. Uh, you don't want to, like, water it down or distract from it. So having too many really overt character arcs or storylines expressed um, at the same time can kind of get a bit messy, I suppose. So you sort of don't want to have, you know, every card in a faction tied into it, and then you don't want to really have quite as many really strong uh, storylines being expressed at the same time. Um, so, like, Sable is sort of the point of view character for the, like, ongoing Borealis story that there'll be some more of pretty soon. And Essa is basically, like, the 
kind of the 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 poster child of the actual like big point of the you know mm-hmm. theme and story in borealis so essa got you know all of the you know big major story stuff in cards um and i think it's also just that you know essa essa's whole shtick blends really well alongside what's going on with wayland and wayland is also like you know the the other side of the coin that it's the um the faction that is most closely tied to the the major themes of uh borealis so they're sort of like the two major players uh and so yeah they they got all the story stuff and a lot of the other factions it's more about you know what is it that they're up to rather than an actual you know directly tied together story um you talked about like one of the things about narrative design is it's like a bit of a bit of game designs in there too, in terms of like how do the cards feel to play, how, <clears throat> how do the mechanics mesh with the story, in terms, like, how do you end up working with the design department on sets? Do you say like, did you write the story for, or like I don't know how the story, whether you wrote the story, whether it was collaboratively written, but like, like your department in theory, like writes the story for um, the Borealis cycle, and you have like beats and stuff you want to hit, or like themes you want to pull out do you get the design docs and then like write in the story after or do you like start with the story and then you get the cards and you're like okay like we need a card that is like this because we want to like represent this beat like how how did that sort of negotiation happen uh so it's a little bit of both so i guess i could sort of talk about this in regards to bell tower at the next cycle uh so it's like the well, I'm not going to go into any details here. No, so please do. Please do. Broadly. You can. We'll send, we'll, we promise to send it. <laughs> uh, so, like, a lot of how these uh, cycles will work is that it will actually begin with the general narrative conceit. So, where is it set and what is it about and what, what is it trying to say? Uh, and then, like, once that kind of thing is actually outlined, then... That's when your design will be like, all right, let's let's do some cards, um, and you know it'll be a case of like figuring out what are all of the factions going to be about mechanically, and how can we express what their theme is via that, those mechanics, um, and often also in like the you know sort of vision doc, we might suggest you know, like potential card names or potential card ideas from like a top-down perspective as, as the, the term is of top-down being like, okay, here is a, a theme concept for a card. How, what would that mean mechanically? And then there's bottom-up cards, which are, you know, here is the mechanics for it. What is the, you know, what is a theme that is expressed by these mechanics? Um, I guess like an example might be uh, Boomerang is a top-down card. It was always called Boomerang. It used to be kind of quite different during testing, and when it got reworked, I reworked it very much based on how you know the Boomerang has been used by uh, Indigenous Australians for thousands of years, um, which is not as like an actual weapon to kill things with, but rather as like a hunting tool that's used to flush out prey uh, from, mm-hmm. you know, in bushes and whatnot. So it's it's a hunting tool. You use it to, you know, flush stuff out and get it to, um, you know, go away from its safe place so you can get in there and actually get at it. Um, 
that was kind of yeah the idea for for that and then you know a, a bottom-up card might be like well the card that you've you we're sort of gonna maybe get to touch on a little bit which is uh uh yakov because uh, that was yeah like an entirely you know card that had no theme and was just mechanics and then later on i was like oh i want this to be a, a character now so now it's a character <laughs> i think it fits um, as a character like it's a good fit especially considering yes. that they're basically the the person who leads ob right yeah exactly yeah yeah i think it's a good fit and i think um yeah the flavor i mean i mean also i think one of the things for narrative design surely is um do your does your department um direct direct the out prompts as well yeah so we'll do uh, our prompt is actually the the right term for it because yeah we'll we'll have like you know an art prompt for cards but it'll usually be like this is the character that's on a card or here is a scene or like a story that we want depicted in the art for this or a location or an object uh, and then the art department will like take that and turn that concept into something very fully fledged sometimes there'll be you know the, the reverse will happen a little bit as well where they'll be like oh we've got this idea for this really cool scene and i'll be like oh that's really cool that we could do that on this we can do this um i do love there's that. a lot of you know cross-pollination going on like you know I, I i would never want it to always just be you know my team that gets to make the ideas because that's just i don't know it's not how good game does game development works you want to get ideas from everyone yeah um, but i love that you're in so, a place now that you can you can start putting these little pieces but i i think you wrote that piece about sundog that was your story originally right yes yeah and um, under northern lights was uh i i kind of just <laughs> we were talking about when we wanted to announce the borealis cycle and i was like why don't we announce it with a bit of fiction i'll just write something yeah and then i just sat down and wrote something <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, and and that was that. Yeah, and then today we get um, oh, end of the end line. Of the line. End of the line. I, I'm just gonna call it scorched here and there. Apologies. Do you feel like you need to pull some punches sometimes, though? Because case in point, no. look, I've given you shit about this before, but look, if Sun Dog was an actual dog on this card, and Waylon was shooting a dog, the reaction would be way more visceral. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What are you talking about? Phil? I'm just Sundog. Sundog could have is been a not dog. an actual dog. And yeah, Sundog, I yeah. Don't you know what a Sundog is in real life? Violence against that. I do know what a Sundog <laughs> is in real life. We yeah, I, I here mean, sometimes, yeah. There you go. But Sundog, is, this whole, was, is, is this whole basically you didn't know whether Sundog was a real a person or a dog? Well, I feel like the original story left it open to interpretation. So I kept telling Morgan about it, like. Hey, Sundog should be a real dog. With a gun. With a gun. Yeah, it's the future. Dogs can have guns. Dogs have rights. I I, I do think one of the things I like about... Uh, the artwork in this set's very good. I mean, I think, um, like, distributed tracing. Like, so I saw that card first in spoiler season, and then I didn't even see, like, the eyes were all lit up until, like, I looked at it later. I think it's, like, a good... I don't know. I, I mean, the thing about narrative design I always feel is this, it's always like a mix of everything. Like, it's never just like, oh, we picked a really good name or like, oh, we picked really good art or we wrote really good flavor text. It has. It's always like a mix. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
I really like the artwork on Hypoxia and the, I think the flavor, flavor text. Uh, flavor text has been good. The flavor text has been really good. It hasn't. I've gone on the record always and said nothing in the game. Flavor text but sometimes hit or miss. This is, we got a lot of hits here. There's a lot of bangers. Absolutely. Uh, I, I really love the flavor text on Hypoxia. Um, the flavor text on Regulatory Capture is super sick. Um, it's, good flavor, it's good flavor text. Good flavor text. You know where the uh, Hypoxia flavor text is from, right? No, I don't. Oh, it's Eric, a quote from the Matrix. Child. Wait, really? Yeah, it's oh. uh, when um, when Morpheus <laughs> is doing the they're like um, yeah, they're doing the the the, the training. Oh, just, fuck me, I can't remember the the name, the word. Uh, words are escaping my brain. They're sparring in the the dojo, and you know he's like, "Do you think that's air? You're breathing right now." Yeah, yeah. I just like I just like a lot of the flavor text in here. I like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like it. I, I, I've also seen the tweet that regulatory capture is flavor text from, which I think is fun. And I, yeah, I, it's cheeky. Oh it's cheeky too. That like the Mister Hendrick. Like, oh, there's there's three of them because that's how a network runner works, you know. Well, it's because they're triplets. Yeah, that's awesome. I yeah, I mean, it's all good. You guys are doing such a good job, and the set's coming out in like a week almost like like eight days or something uh yeah eight, eight days is when it goes on jnet and the print and play files go up and then three that's days crazy. later is when the print stuff nice. uh, goes out that's crazy that's crazy that i mean like that's crazy that the format's going to be different now and there's going to be so many new cards and it's also going to be cool because the the boy R cycle will be released as full yeah um, i'm, I'm really it'll, it'll be good it. Yeah, there's a lot of my favorite cards. Like I've I gone on I've gone on the record before and been like, Boy Cycles Cycle's one of my favorite cycles of all time. It still is. There's a lot of bangers in this half no. of the set. Do you want do you have some favorite cards that you've seen so far, Phil? Today the, the whaling cards were, were released and I was just looking at them and I was like, I'm I'm legitimately scared to play against Whalen now. These are terrifying cards. Whalen got some heaters. Oh Whalen got some heaters. Oh man. Oh, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to play against Waylon because I'm pretty sure I'll just die every time. And maybe that's how Netrunner should be. So, very, very exciting. Well, step one, slot no free lunch. Step two, slot a hunting grounds. Um, step three, I don't know. Die anyways, it. yeah. Yeah, that's Ooh. my plan. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. I mean, like, just, just so you know, hunting grounds works against Sardo City Grid. Once! Once per turn. Yeah, I think the Zardo yeah. City Grid thing. So like, Still helps. I think Zardo City Grid is pretty fucked up, but I think Zardo City Grid is only good in a world where the central's pressure is bad. Mm. Like, I think Zardo City Grid yeah. is good. Like, don't get me wrong, it's good. But it's not as fucking busted as people are putting it out because I think in a world where the central's pressure is really, really good, it does Zardo City Grid does not look as great. Um, and to that end, so Finality is the two-cost Anarch event. That says, uh, as an additional cost to play, you take a core damage, and then you make a run on R&D, and you access three additional cards. Uh, so it's essentially like a super-powered Maker's Eye mm-hmm. that deals you a core damage. And I think... So in Essa, this shit's fucking busted, right? Like, this is just... this is just You got the sabotage yeah, off the bat, and then you go for the yep. run, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and you, the card draw as well. You get the card draw, you get the sabotage, and then you see four cards. Seeing four cards is so good. Like, it's it's... It's really good. I think you also are gonna just play it in Hashiko and just be like, I'm gonna take a core and see like it's it's such good multi access. Like seeing four cards can just like I think it's so good. And then um 
we should probably talk about Waken Plan. I think Waken Plan is going to be a game-defining card. One uh, of I mean, our actual scoops. Is, is it just, time yeah. for us to talk about our actual scoops? Can I just yeah, say yeah. something about Zato? Zato? You want to, do you want to start with Zato? It's not our scoop, but it just reinforces my long-held belief that Ice Wall is the best ice in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, wake, uh, wake Implant is a one-credit, unique uh, criminal hardware. Its actual name is Wake Implant V2A-JRJ. It's a hardware, it's a cybernetic. When you install this hardware, suffer immediate damage. Whenever you make a successful run on HQ, place a power counter on this hardware. Whenever you breach R&D, you may remove up to three hosted power counters to access that many additional cards, and it is three influence. So good. It's, it's, huge it's pressure. multi-access. It's multi-access in faction, which is like something yeah. historically... Like, criminals basically have never had a multi-access card in faction. Yeah. Um, and this is like this is like actual real multi-access. It allows... The, the faction already kind of wanted to go for singles on HQ. Um, it makes cards like... Um, uh, uh, pan weave like way better because like you pan weave them for credit you get a wake and plant counter and then like you can stack the counters the hard the fact that it's a hardware means that so like the twinning is like pretty good but the twinning is really vulnerable with like drago and stuff and there's just like not that many ways in the game to get rid of hardware so now like criminal can like put stuff on wake and plant and like have it be pretty safe yeah this is huge this is gonna make 419 miserable again so that's that's cool <laughs> <laughs> It does. No, it does add that central pressure that's been missing in the game for like a while, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, I we, mean, we want to put more central's pressure, and so we did. There I, you I, go. I think it's good, and I think also like um, one of the other things is that so this is gonna be really good criminal. I think it's gonna be good in sable. I think it's gonna be in four nine. Um, I think you're gonna play two of this in criminal for like the next like few years. Honestly, it's just really really good. Um, I think a place that this is really good is this is like an actual win condition for Padma mm. and for a reason for Padma to like be played because now you can run R&D and just charge your Waken Plant and just bounce on the outermost dice. It's pretty powerful. The other powerful thing you can do is um, because like when you run R&D, you can, as long as you get the first counter on by running HQ, you can Padma on like run R&D Padma and then just spend the counter you always got. So then Waken Plant is effectively a one cost um, RDI. Uh, that you keep you can keep using patterns ability on, and I think also the fact that this is one credit is like just insane. Um, like Star gets four, and you have to keep running R and D, and as the corp now you have this like really hard question of like how you can defend. You have to defend HQ and R and D kind of equally. Yeah. Um, because now your singles on HQ like are essentially translating into like your singles on HQ are now translating into an additional access, uh, which is really fucking good. And this uh, is also really funky alongside Virtuoso because like if you're getting. HQ is your mark in like Sable or with Virtuoso or whatever, and you're running HQ, you're getting two accesses from it, and then you run R and or you're running R and D because your mark is R and D. You're getting to use Wake Implant on R and D and getting an access on HQ as well. It's yeah, it's pretty fun. Like Virtuoso is is maybe like one credit more expensive than I would like it to be, but like when you are able to just run that mark every turn and get that free access from HQ. And it it is like this... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to put it. It's like a WinCon-related value. <laughs> like, it's not like, yeah, you know, yeah. credit or cards value. It's just like, I am doing things that are getting me other stuff, and I'm also getting accesses from HQ at the same time. Like, it just... 
it really, really adds up over the course of a game in like a way that it that can be really, really strong. Uh, and I'm yeah, kind of excited to see more people playing around with Virtuoso. Uh, I think there are these corp decks right now that are basically like, okay, there's not good central pressure in the game. It's like Deep Dive, Apoc, and Stargate, and that's it, really. So I'm just going to do my thing in the remote and like not defend centrals very heavily, like R+, for example. And like you just fucking install a Awaken plan for one credit, and you're like, okay. Like I, I can, I have a way to like multi-access and win the game that doesn't involve Stargate. That like cause Stargate can get stuff by Spin Doctor. I think it's really important to note that this is a breach effect. So you can't, like the twinning, you can't border control or like bio vault the use of the wake implant. Um, like as, as soon as you get the breach access, you're gonna, you, there's no paid ability window for the corp. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think like as the corpse game plans become like stronger. I think it's going to lead to like that really interesting tension for Netrunner that I really love, which is like both sides have like a powerful game plan, and you have to like weigh the cost of like defending yourself or like dealing with the other person's game plan versus like progressing your own. And so, you know, one of the answers might be like if you're playing against like a super deep borehole deck or like try your opponent's trying to do like Drago stuff, you're just like, okay, I'm going to have a weak game plan that you can't deal with, and I'm going to run HQ a bunch and then see four cards in ND. Um, and it's really powerful. I think this is like a very, like a, like an archetype and meta defining card. It's very very powerful. It's. Um, I've always felt that the game is at its most interesting when both sides have like really really strong cards that are about you know ways for them to win the game. Like because then yeah, like you said, it just kind of generates that tension of like I'm doing this to win, they're doing this to win. Do I just try and go really hard on this, or do I need to stop and try and interfere with them so I can get more time? And like getting that kind of question rising up in every game that you play is is I think where Neronic is at its most interesting and most enjoyable. Like if if every game just kind of comes down to either you just be lining towards your victory condition, or you're just you know, automatically having to try and stop them so that you can live long enough to win um i think it just gets a bit boring a bit more binary whereas in this case it, it does come down to like you know every single turn you're having to consider whether you move on with your you know really powerful game plan or if you need to take a moment to mitigate theirs um and i think like the remote versus centrals pressure is a really important part of that dynamic um, I don't know anything about that. winning Netrunner games, but I just I just want to shout out the art here. You have Sable. It's a, obviously a shout out to Cyber Feeder, a card from the original core with the, the slot on the neck. You see the pan weave on the hand. Oh, it's just, I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, card. we've got all, all of Sable's uh, all of Sable's cybernetics are uh, like carefully on there. The yeah. art is is so good. Like um, Zephania's art is gorgeous. I just this is like, you know, perfect Sable. Like every aspect yeah. of her is spot on, um, and like the lighting and the tone and the mood. I was gonna mood. say the lighting, the blue oh, on the one so side, the red good. on the other. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's, it's, so good. it's it's so good. But uh, also, so the idea with um, well, this originally was gonna have some flavor text, but it didn't end up fitting on the card because of you know three different abilities of plenty of text each no room for flavor text uh but it's uh basically the wake-in plan is something that you can offload memories into um and then when it's not in you don't have those memories anymore 
Mm. Oh, that's super wow. sick. And uh, that chip contains um, memories of Sable's family. Oh, that's so cool. That's uh, this art uh, is a fucking banger <laughs> no, for sad. sure. I mean, it's I mean, Sable's like a like not like like not an antihero, but definitely Sable is not like you know, not a not a good big person. damn hero. Yeah, yeah, not, uh, not a yeah. Hero. interesting character for sure. Um. Yeah, the, oh, this is uh, one of the things I'm so happy is I feel like this card is going to be really iconic in terms of like play, and the artwork is just insane, and so th- that's really nice. Um, oh, shall we move on? Phil, do you, you want to talk about the boat juice? <laughs> yeah, let's let's review this Slay the Spire ass card. Two cost, <laughs> another hardware weapon subtype. Not it's the, back, baby. Not the weapon you expect, though. Yeah, poison vial. Which, Morgan, you'll have to explain this. Anyways, what Poison Vial does, once you install it for your two credits, uh, when you install this hardware, load three power counters onto it. When it is empty, trash it. Hosted power counters, break up the two subroutines. Use this ability only if you have already broken a subroutine this encounter. And then the flavor text, the poison cuts deeper than the blade. What is the blade? What is the blade? Two influence. Two influence. Well, the blade is whatever you're using to break the um, subroutines to begin with. Oh, sure, 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 yeah, yeah. Because in theory, if you, break, if, you paid credit, if you paid a credit to break, in theory, the poison vial was twice as effective. Great. That makes sense. Uh, exactly. Ah, oh, you got it. I'm so happy, Eric. <laughs> it's math, baby. Um, How do you poison that, uh, ice through the internet? We got poison juice. Poison juice. Boat. I like calling this boat juice because my immediate thought is like, yeah, you use a boat and then you poison the rest. I mean, I think that is kind of the intended. You, like one of like one of the intended things I think is probably that you're gonna play this in Padma or something with the boat, and then you charge the, the poison vial. Yeah, you charge the poison vial. Charge them. because I mean, yeah, boomerang. This is really fucking good with boomerang. Yeah. I mean, this is just like E3 feedback implants. It's like sort of temporary use, but doesn't cost money. I mean, I think that's quite yeah. good. Power I think grips. You, you can also use it with um, uh, Kongamato and Gavali. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. I'm excited uh, you can for use that it. Shaper pressure. Yeah, I think it's just like it's just like a weird like little support card. You know, I think it's it's costed very effectively. It's two credits is fine. Yeah, two and you get three, splashable. Two and if it's splashable, three uses is fine. Like, it has some charge synergy. Like, if you're really dedicated to use this, you might like charge it somehow using like um. You can rig it up, or yeah, yeah. Use, what's the uh, fucking dig. cat? What's the cat? Dang, use dig. Yeah, use dig. Morgan is here. Oh my god. <laughs> that was a test. That was a test. You passed. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can use dig to charge. Dig, I think, is like pretty underrated. Dig is score or steal, right? Yes. Brett yeah, I ruined think me with dig yesterday, so I've. I've, I've learned. I think dig's pretty underrated right now, mostly because. The aren't good charge targets, but I think Wake Implant and Poison Vial are both good charge targets, and I think also patterns get better. I mean, this is like one of the things is like I feel like if when you talk to like any playtester about Midnight Sun or whatever, they'd be like, "It's the pack split, dude." Because like Padma <laughs> makes so much more. Padma make, people. I had people talk to me be like, "Padma doesn't make any sense. Like, why do you guys put charge?" And I was like, "I mean, like you're not wrong, but like the the charge cut like." We didn't put all the charge cards in shape, and so like I think Wake Implant and Poison Vial are both like really good charge targets mm. um, for Padma. Yeah, um, I think um, like I've sort of said this before, like one of the, in, in other places, but like the reason that Daig seems kind of underwhelming is mostly because when uh, like earlier in testing, 
when Boat was like way stronger, Dag was super fucking broken, and um, I think it even got like a credit increase or something or other at some point. But basically, like Dag lived or died by the strength of Boat and how much you needed uh, Dag to like support the Boat, and so didn't really get you know much in a way of tweaks because it was always relevant to the Boat. Um, if I could wind back time, I would probably have asked them to make it so that when you install Dag, you get to charge once, but that's... I that's don't know, it. dude. It's I still really good now, Dag anyway. Is fucking, so Dag like, is fucking busted, and I, I think also, biased. like... I am fucking biased. Let's be, let's just, be real, I, so... I'm just saying that with the Wake Implant, like... Like, the Wake Implant steals your agendas, which puts more counters on the Wake Implant, which, like, you can use to steal more agendas, like... Yeah. That's pretty fucking it's, good. It's, it's, it is good. Like, pro Dag's problem is, of course, like, you need to... Is, you know, like the ordering problem. Yeah. You need to get him down um, before all, like, you, you need you need to get him down after you've got a charge target, but before the stuff gets scored or stolen. So, like, it is a bit of a gamble, especially how many do you play in a deck and, and all that jazz. Like, it's, uh, it's there's a lot of moving parts. But, I yeah, I reckon, I think we'll see more day, which makes me very happy because... I mean, one of the decks I want to build reason. first when the, with the new set is Padma with Wake Implant and Dig. Oh yeah, I'm do like, it, I'm, do, it, I mean, do, it do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, yeah, I think Poison Vial. I think Poison Vial is not gonna be like a card that defines the meta or like is crushing it everywhere. But there's gonna be like certain decks that really love this, and I think it's gonna see a lot of fun play at like the middle low tables, which I think is good. And yeah. not every card has to yeah. be like defining the game. And I also like the artwork on this a lot. I, I just, it's just kind of silly almost. It's just fun. Just, the little sticker is so cheeky. I love yeah, it. yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it, it's good. I, um okay let's let's go on a reprise oh a wait reprise one little thing sure i i was gonna say um the artist for poison vial is um uh ed uh, Martinian, who's another previous uh ffg netrunner artist that's so sick the uh, same so with good. um really uh Zephania is 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 as well also did some some work on ffg era netrunner oh really uh, Huh. Yes. So yeah, we, we got both of them back, yeah. Um Ed Ed, Ed Martinian's um stuff is like so fucking on point for now and his his like style has like just the right sort of combination of being a little cheeky while also being, you know, just feeling at, at home in all of it. Oh, yes. And then obviously like Zephania's character work is is phenomenal. Just yeah. absolutely. Oh, Zephania drew my man John Masanori. Damn. Yep. Neat. Um, yeah, let's, let's, anyway, yeah, it's a two cost criminal run event. Uh, play only if you stole an agenda this turn. Add one installed corp card to HQ. You may run any server in the flavor text. I may bow like I've accomplished the impossible, but the truth is it's not that hard. Three influence. Who's gonna, so who's gonna say it? The, the card you can add to HQ doesn't have to be unrest. Correct. Leela's. Back, baby. Oh. <laughs> Did we miss Leela? Yes. No. Not really. <laughs> I fucking missed Leela. Leela's fun. Leela is think... my favorite ID in the game. I think I was talking to Patrick about this, but Patrick was like Rotom Appliance, and Rotom was basically like, Yeah, I miss playing Leela, but I don't miss playing against it. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about this card a little. <laughs> but this is like a very limited. Leela, right? And it's it's very combo-y, right? It's like, steal an agenda. You still have to have a click. And it, it, I love it. I, lo I love the design of this. It's like, it's very specific. I think 
it's not too strong, but in the right situation, it's incredibly strong, right? I think it's just one of those cards that leads to, like, really dynamic... Like, this is a card that creates stories, mm. in some sense. It's, where... it's our siphon, I reckon, basically. Ah, I don't know about that. Like, what do you mean? Like, no, no, I disagree. Like, it's well, not... Like, because siphon I mean, is really good. <laughs> siphon was really good and told stories and was, like, a really impactful card when you played it. And quite often it would... It would get played as part of a, you know, a turn where you were doing multiple things, right? Like, either you were playing it, like, turn one because they were fucking open, or you were Leela and you ripped something off R&D. Um, or you're playing it because you want to drain the, you know, credit out of them and do a 15-credit swing so you can run their remote and steal something. Reprise is like, I've just, you know, grabbed something from a central, now I'm going to go break into your remote... And like you said, it creates stories. It's definitely not, you know, as strong as Siphon for obvious reasons. But, like, to me, it is that kind of card that creates stories by being part of a turn that is incredible. Yeah. Is, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely like a haymaker. I think this is not very good. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, the cost, there's a high opportunity cost of just holding this in your hand. Yes. There might be some deck that uses, like, Stargate or something, and is like, I want to Stargate out the agenda in Crim and then reprise them. Just send them to hell.com. Yeah, I think this is... this is I think this is cards a fucking lot of fun. It has incredible blowout potential. Like, if you add a Hydra back to HQ or something, you just, like, send them to hell. Yeah, I think it's It's going to cool. be crushing. It's going to be terrible to play against, but it's going to be... It's going to... It's, it's Leela, right? It's going to be so much fun to play. Also, what do you note, think of- this is really good against defensive upgrades. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Like it, it puts the Zato City Grid back in their hand. Yep, that's cool. Um, what do you think about the artwork, Phil? It's good. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. It like the last two were just bangers. Okay, like yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's hard. I love this yeah. one. I I don't understand anything about music. We got we got squares. We've got paper. We got boxes. We got notes. I feel like I don't resonate with the music stuff because I don't understand anything about music. But uh. I think it's cool. I think it's cool that Sable's getting like the the flavor text is. I like the flavor text. Flavor text is like that big Ken Ten. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, a reference to another piece of flavor text, right? No. What? What is the reference to? Oh wait. Oh fuck. No. Uh. Oh fuck me. You're right. It is a reference to another piece of flavor text. I don't remember though. Tell it's, us more. Like, do it for the not- challenge. But the truth is, it's not that hard. Leela Patel. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I remember the... Fuck me, dude. I, I, I remember... Uh, yeah, this is the flavor text on Leela, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. I, I just was like... Because I remember the, the truth is it's not that hard part. I was like, I've seen this somewhere before. I thought it was an Andy card. Like, on High Stakes Job or something. But, no, it's on Leela. It's do it for challenge. That's yep. cool. That's 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 good. That's good. This is good great. I love that a card like this exists, right? Oh, it's just gonna be fun. I mean, like Netrunner needs fun cards. You know what I mean? Like this is a this is a good. This is great. I love it. Phil, do you want to talk about our last card? The last card, a unique card this time. Another hardware, hardware ass crims this cycle. Zenit Chip JZ Dash Two MJ One Cost Hardware Cybernetic Dash Chip. When you install this hardware, suffer one core damage. The first time each turn you make a successful run on a central server, draw one card. Two inf, 
and the flavor text reads, Zenit Implant helps you focus on the important things and pair hollow billboard. I... It's value. It's value. This, I mean, I just, we're going to skip straight to art talk because I, this is might be one of my favorite. Okay. I just like this art so much. This is, it's so well lit and you're just like, oh, uh, the fucking seeing the implant in um, Sable's eye is super hype. Uh, I, I think this card is balanced and probably quite good. I mean, the fact that you have to take a core damage is like, I think there's like, this is support for like an aggro crim, like a Zaya that like doesn't isn't tag me or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because like they're like, I don't care if I have four hands. I think it's harder if you're like a four one nine or a sable who wants to like hold the deep dive or like do something like this, but like a one credit dream net that always that is fucked. Like that's just busted. Um and you know, discarding cards is just weakness leaving the hand. So like who could say the core damage is not even a real cost? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you pull this out early as Sable and you, you like, don't have the deep dive in, you just throw it down. Like, and then you, you want to be hitting a central every turn as Sable is, if you can. It's, like, really fucking good if you can do that. If you hit the deep dive, yeah, you're going to be kind of sad. But, like, that's... I don't know. I would still play this Still Sable. value. Yeah, it's still worth it. Yeah, I'd put a couple, I would throw a couple of these in Sable for, for, for sure. I mean, it's quite good. I mean, this ability is just really good. This is like, um, this is like. I think the fact that it's hardware means it's hard, like interact with, like they can't, like they can't trash it, like Dreamnet or whatever if they tag you somehow. Like, I don't know. The fact that Dreamnet, like Dreamnet at three credits, is just bad, and then people play Gatchapon and install it for one. Like, think about that, right? Yeah. Um, and like this is just a one cost Dreamnet <laughs> that you can't really interact with. Yeah. Um, I mean, like Zenit only works on centrals. Like, it's different, but I just think that like card draw that is like rewarding you for doing things you already wanted to do is really fucking good this effect is usually costed in at like three or four credits like patron was cost three dream that cost three so this is usually costed out pretty high the question is like the core damage is sometimes a downside if they're like for example like if you're playing against um like thule and they want to core damage you anyway maybe you don't install this or like if you think they're on some sort of kill combo they reduce hand size the problem so maybe you don't install this so I think it's it's interesting, um, but if you're playing against like PD or something, you're just like, okay, I'll fucking jam the Zenit chip. Like, who cares? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this this card's super dope. Um, I don't think it's going to be like archetype defining, but I think you'll definitely like see it in a lot of decks. Um, it's just really, really, really good value. Also, Criminal's like kind of are struggling for card draw right now, right? They're playing importing Diesels or like they're importing these card draw cards like Anakam, and now you have like card draw in faction. I think that's like non-trivial that you can just like play as in like. When you think about crims, like they spend their influence on importing like multi access and Kadra, right? And now you have Zenit Chip and Wake. Yeah. Yeah, and we have Zenit Chip and Wake Implant, right? So maybe the like what what a crim deck does can be like really different. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's quite good. Yeah, those are banger cards. The, yeah, they, they these ones are they're so fucking good in so many, in like every possible way. I'm really really happy with how crim has turned out in this set. Can I ask can I ask a question for you? Mm-hmm. How do you decide what the um like that like numbers and letters after the hard cybernetics are gonna be? Oh, uh so um there are four cards with the model numbers in this set and they are all the initials of people from different teams in Null Signal. Can we get okay, J two MJ. 
The two, the two, <laughs> the two, <laughs> the two means like MJ twice, or or M twice. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm sure the sleuths will stock Snarling Games members and figure. I mean, out. I can um, if you give me a second, I can tell you which teams. But not which people. Then, then people can still still have to figure. I that feel out. like I feel like you gotta. Let, I don't want to spoil it for people. Like people will do put the work in. Yeah, this is some extra homework. Right. You know, Next, yeah. yeah. Right. If you everyone, you know, it's important to get after school credit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these are great cards. I think criminal like criminal is really exciting. Weekend plan, I think, is just so insane. And then. It's really gonna change the game on Renaissance, I think. Like you're gonna play, you might fucking even play Wake and Play in Anarch. Like who fucking cares? It's three influence. Like you, you splash two copies of this, and you're very happy. Um, this is like insane multi-access. Just play it alongside the twin. Install it with a uh, paladin. Get Why twin cameras. Yeah. C five cards. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel well, this was... way with every every release from NSG is like. I'm gonna have to relearn how to play Netrunner because these cards are just so like. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm so excited. I'm excited to see the more Brenna stuff get revealed. I think. Yeah. The, uh, so, the scoop season so far has been like oh top notch. The sabotage notch. The sabotage. The sabotage stuff I think is really gonna shape up because like right now the sabotage doesn't make sense, but I think with with, with Pahelion coming out, I think sabotage is gonna make a lot of sense. What's also really fun is uh, this time we made sure to save a bunch of cards for the final day. Just like when we post the full um, card images. Oh, that's hype. Whole, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, the whole set. So there's just going to be like a bunch of just like the final stuff is just going to drop all at once um, right at the end, which will be yeah really cool. I'm really looking forward to that. There's a lot of really cool cards in in that thing. So we definitely know that the uh, like Anar the those Anar cards with like finality and stuff are going to be dropped by the time we uh, this goes live, right? Yeah, yeah. It's nah, well, well, All right. Yeah, we can wait. We can wait. Okay, cool, cool. So that that means I can I can gush briefly about um, finality and Katorga breakout, and they're they're a story pair, and I I love them so much. I'm so happy with how they turned out. So like Katorga breakout is like the art on is like Essa um, crouched over like what looks like a work camp, and is clearly planning something. And then the art on finality is, it is bananas. Uh, it's by um, um, Ferenuk, the same artist who did Reprise here. And it's like Essa battered, bruised, and bleeding, kneeling on like a sort of the top of like a, a ridge line, overlooking a uh, facility that is smoking ruin um, and is clutching like a. Uh, disembodied cybernetic arm in Zara hands like across the lap and uh is like crying is this the one with the beautiful sun dog in the back yes it is the oh, one with the pile in, in the in the back yeah and it's it's basically this is the before and the after of the the Katoga breakout and um if you look closely at the art for Katoga breakout you'll see that one of the workers has a cybernetic arm <laughs> that's amazing. I think I think it's gonna be. I mean, sick as hell. Uh, Pahelion comes out on the ninth or something. Yeah, it's a good set. It's good. It's a good spoiler season. Thanks. Oh, we got the Canadian politics corner. We do gotta do Canadian. Yeah, politics and do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk briefly about worlds? Yeah. Let's oh, go back Jesus to it. Christ. That's yeah. It's, many. It feels like twenty years ago. First it of all, does. first of all, if someone has a picture 
of me and Morgan. Because I think we both think someone took a picture of us. Yeah, for real. But we don't <laughs> we don't have that picture. It'd be nice. It'd be okay. nice to have a, a picture. So if you took that picture, send it to us, please. Because we, bo- yep. we please, both think please. it exists. It's out there. The truth is out I, there. I didn't really believe in the power of communities to solve these kinds of issues, but I will never fucking forget that... <laughs> We had like a five minute segment where we talked about the conspiracy of the dinosaurs out with the Christmas hat. Yes. And then someone like someone yes. found it like a like a twenty thirteen FFG like Christmas like image on a random blog post. It's like Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, God. I I, I I really feel like we posed for a photo. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't know um, where it is though. Yeah. I, I actually feel bad. I was works. like just so busy and so overwhelmed all of us that I just forgot to take photos of people, which Same. I'm kind of sad about. Because I would have really liked them. But I did get my playmat like absolutely covered in signatures. Just the whole trip. Um and it's it's in a frame now. I've got to put it up, but it's 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 in a frame now. That's very, awesome. Very happy with it. Nice. It was nice to meet you at Worlds. I mean, I was in the same kind of boat where it's like I wanted to hang out more, but I'm, I'm so I'm so fucking busy. Everyone was just so busy. I mean, you guys were busy with the event. And yeah. I feel like I wanted. This is gonna. I'm gonna get fucking put on blast for this, but it's like I wanted to hang out on Sunday, but I ended up playing the top 16 cut. So like I did have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know I, mean? I, I also got screwed out of um, most of the first day by uh, your good friend WestJet. Oh boy, let's just, you let the boys and down. It was also <laughs> in Calgary. Oh, sick, 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 sick. Dude, the Calgary sick. airport is bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, actually, I kind of, I kind of didn't mind certain aspects of it. I, you know, the the fucking like the um the little cart buggy things that you can like get the ride between the different terminals on. Oh yeah, that thing is absurd. I I rode on that like twenty times while I was. <laughs> you know, figuring out how to spend 12 hours in Calgary Airport because I just needed something to do and it was fun. I, I just would just repeatedly go back and forth on that thing. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just a really good, um, a really good event. And it was good to see you. I mean, like, it's, it's hard when, like, I, I, I saw Vale at the event too and I was, so, I was so happy to see Vale. It's so hard, I feel like, for the Australian players because it's like, it's so fucking expensive to fly everywhere. Um, and it takes yeah, like I think, a whole day. It takes a whole day. So I mean, it was just good. I had a lot. I I think you had a lot of fun at um the trivia night thing. Oh, that was fucking great. Yeah, I really loved that. Like, yeah. there was some stuff. Yeah, because you know I have especially of like flavor stuff. I have a fairly encyclopedic knowledge of Netrunner. So like every time, like one of the you know questions or whatever came up, and people were like, oh like seemed confused and i was just like give me the pen <laughs> yeah yeah that no, was really it was really awesome uh no i think it was a great event i mean nothing like him did just a good job um and you like also sort of did some stuff that was just not that was also um like you were in seattle before and in some other parts of like traveling before yeah. and not you didn't just come forwards which i think was good because you got to make up a bit of a trip out of it yeah yeah exactly and it was great like yeah i was in seattle and then i went to vancouver and then i went to uh, abbotsford to visit a friend and then i went over to toronto for worlds and yeah it was it was great like every single netrunner person i met was lovely and wonderful um and like yeah. being at, at shocks and doing all the demoing there that was incredible um i got to talk to like the some of the boys from shut up and sit down about 
the game. I got asked a hard-hitting question by Quinns about my role as narrative designer. And we got to show uh, Quinns and Tom Midnight Sun. They came and came and visited the booth and, and sat there and we like opened up a, a copy of Midnight Sun and gave it to them to That's have a look through. Um, and they were like hooting and hollering, like looking at cards. They were like, oh my goodness, this is so cool. Like Quinns like... Uh, was basically like I said to Quinn's, if you want this copy, it's it's yours. And he was like, oh, I really want to say yes, but he's like, I want when I get into like Netrunner, I just want to like get all of your stuff like at once. I've got to like you know build up the, the yeah. like momentum to get the sort of like the energy to go back into it again. Yeah. Um, like when I was chatting to him about it, like the the night before, I actually. Like, he asked me the hard-hitting question, and I asked him, what would it take to get you back into Netrunner? And he was like, it's, it's like, absolutely nothing that, like, any of, <laughs> that you need to do. Like, you just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and it, it was, it was like, uh, basically, like, when he was last into Netrunner, he was so into it. Um, and he would sort of want to do the same thing again so he kind of needs to like rebuild the energy to, to get what, into netrunner what you're saying again is you're trying to destroy this man's career just be like yeah get <laughs> way too deep into netrunner yeah let's get back into netrunner again quins but no I'll be, I'll be honest though like just just hearing that it was like he was like he was saying he'd been watching us from like keeping an eye on our stuff like from that's cool the, the beginning basically and that um uh, like we were talking about all the the theme and stuff for Borealis after he knew I was the narrative director, and he was just like really into all of the the concepts and just like the idea of like a you know a, a, an icebreaker ship as like a console. He's just like that's something that FFG just never did, and you you just don't. It's just really really cool. Um, yeah, he was he was really into it, um, and obviously Tom is like still pretty internet runner and was yeah really stoked about midnight sun stuff and and he was saying that like he'd um like they did the preview thing of it but it, they'd been so busy in the lead up to shock stuff that it was mostly he'd sort of had a bit of a look at it and mostly it only looked hard at the cards that they showed in the preview and sure. he hadn't really had a chance to like sit down and look through it so then when they were looking through it at the booth tom was like this is like the first time we properly gained a look at this. I'm so excited to go home and play with these cards now. Um, yeah, so that was great. And then, like, we got the same sort of response from just, like, so many attendees who just, like, came by. So many people who were like, oh, I used to play, and then I heard you had a booth here, and I thought I'd come and have a look. Where can I buy the cards? And then we just pointed over to Rain City, um, who were, like, you know, right next to us, oh, where we had itself. a bunch of our stock. Yeah, they had a bunch of our stock and they would just go over and... Yeah, like, we sold out of copies of uh, System Gateway by the end of Saturday. Uh, so, as always, even though it's definitely illegal, we always try and get scoops, illegal scoops, out of our Nelsonal Game staff members. For Bell Tower, can we get, like, a narrative scoop? Like, just Give us a little crumble. All right, just, like, I, can any, you, I can give you a little bit, because I do want to... I do want to announce it... Maybe not next month, but maybe like February. Getting also so, game members fired since 2018. <laughs> I'll give you a little you scare. Okay, so I will give you two things oh, about it. That was sick. One, it's set in Brazil. Ooh. Yo, let's go. Two, 
it is about uh, how do I put this? Actually, no. This is a really good segue into the the next segment. It's about politics. Let's go. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm really ex I'm excited for Netrunner to explore this new frontier. They, we've never like as a very apolitical game. It's gonna be really exciting to see. Finally, you guys do a political cycle. Finally, making a um, stand. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, you're having a stance with some political issues. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's... FFG had such a good, you know, opportunity to talk all about politics in this, like, you know, game. I mean, oh, they even had a, a you know, the set that was in, um, Cycle was set in, uh, in Mumbad, in, in India. and During an election? Uh, just, yeah, during an election. It was just, it was just really apolitical. Just nothing really <laughs> happened about the politics there at all. You know, I think, I think they it... did say, like, murder is bad in that cycle, so that's something. Yeah, they also said uh, clones ain't dudes. Clones ain't dudes. <laughs> I I'm I'm super hyped for uh, Beltar. I think the story's gonna be great. I don't know anything about the Netrunner lore in Brazil. I'm gonna have to check my worlds of Android. Nat lives book. there. That's that's what I know. There's like there? three paragraphs on Brazil in Worlds of Android, but that's, there that's is it. there are I think two things about it that I'm drawing on quite strongly for this. Ooh, um, this could be hype as hell. So, I like it. It's gonna be great. I'm I'm really excited. Like so, I've uh, let me see. So, I've been talking with one of our Portuguese translators, Venti, who is from Brazil, and he is really excited to help, <laughs> which is uh, great. And Dave uh, uh, Dave uh, Devadas, our lead dev, his wife is from Brazil, so they're also um, really keen to help out with stuff as well. In fact, they were there for like three months just earlier this year so now he has some idea of stuff as well yeah well so lovely to have you on but we can't end the shot we're legally obligated to run Canadian politics quarter and now like that I said, it was a good say it was a segue it was so it was very good. deliberate and now you've been you, you've taken a month-long trip almost to canada you've been steeped in our culture you'll know all about it Oh boy. Do you want to, <laughs> you want to explain? Uh, so, Danielle Smith, this is not her first time on the Canadian Politics Corner. Just never a good sign. Reoccurring guest. Uh, um, so, Danielle Smith is the fucking crazy woman from uh, Alberta who's the premier currently who says wild shit how about like the Holocaust and COVID victim. Like, people, like COVID isn't real and like just wild shit. And uh, she recently tried to pass a bill. Well, she passed the bill. Oh, no, uh, she Phil, succeeded. Do you, want to, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> do I want to talk about the bill called what? It, an independent, independent Alberta, Alberta or sovereign Alberta in a United Canada? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So literally just a, a little bill that says, hey, if we feel like a federal law is unjust, it doesn't need to be applied to Alberta. We can we can just do whatever we want. And who gets to decide this? Not not the party as a whole, not the legislature, just her caucus, just her and her buddies. So that's cool. That's cool. Nothing wrong with happen with that. The crazy thing is that like there already exists a mechanism for this. It's called the courts. So like if a law is seen to violate the constitution or whatever, like the fucking provinces can sue to the court and then like like, essentially sue the government, and then the court will be like, oh, it is a violation of the Constitution. Like, this law has no effect. So, like, this mechanism already exists. This is Alberta basically saying, like, hey, listen, the courts are cute and all, but, like, what if we just, as the parliament, bypassed all that court bullshit 
and just like made decisions about what laws we feel like should apply to Canada or not. And like it has some fucking wild, some wild implications. So like for like exactly like you could just opt the Canada they could just fucking opt out of the healthcare act if they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like why not? Like, there's no fucking reason why not. Like, you can just opt out of the like, hospitals. Just finish the job now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually wild shit. Where like basically, so like Canada is based on this idea of federalism, which is that like the federal government has power and the provinces have power, and they share it and they like co-legislate in the areas of jurisdiction, and it's like this like sort of community together. <laughs> the Alberta is basically like, no, fuck that. We're just gonna do our own thing and like legal and moral consequences be damned and it's wild shit the 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 act is called alberta sovereignty within a united canada there we go (laughs) and like the crazy thing to me about passing this act also is just like there are so many more pressing issues in alberta than this shit like this is just fucking peak virtue signaling but and it like doesn't do anything but it's just like I don't know. There's no fucking way this law is not going to be struck down by the Supreme Court of Canada. Absolutely like, not. We're going to waste more taxpayer dollars. You, you know what? This the federal government. <laughs> this this fucking reminds me of of something in um in Australian politics with our previous government. In that uh, Scott Morrison, our previous hyper conservative, he's prime the coal minister, guy, right? The, he loves coal. Aren't they all coal guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, is, he, he, was, he was indeed the guy who brought a piece of coal into uh, Parliament. Incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, he's, he's also, like, you know, hyper-Pentecostal and, like, a prosperity gospel dude. So he's, oh, like... Oh, no! <laughs> like, uh, so, like, as a, you know, like, very, you know, progressive socialist queer-ass queer Christian, he's, like, my absolute anathema. <laughs> he's just, like, the, <laughs> you know, the shit. devil himself to me. But so he had himself secretly sworn in as minister of five additional portfolios during um, the COVID pandemic stuff. So he was like sharing like portfolio ministerial duties with like actual people in his cabinet, but he like took control of this stuff so that he could just like make executive decisions for them. So it's legal that the, um, that like the, our government, Governor General can like uh, appoint you know people sort of at will to various ministerial portfolios, but doing it in secret is like unheard of and really damning. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah, it was just like him being like, oh, I just, I just, why, why don't we just put the power in, in with with me? It doesn't need to be with you know Parliament or my entire party. Let's let's just give it to me, and that is literally what I was thinking of when you were talking about that bill. That's wild shit. I mean, I I very strongly believe that Daniel Smith will make another fucking Canadian politics corner segment. I literally uh, probably <laughs> the next time we have Canadian politics <laughs> corner. Thank you very much for coming on, Morgan. That was really exciting, and uh, you know, get hype about Pahelians coming up. We got some six scoops. Check out the other community scoops. Uh, and thanks for Null Single Games for uh, giving us some scoops this time. That was excellent. Absolutely. It was my pleasure to come on. And um, it was really good to chat again, especially now that I know what you like both look like properly as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was great. Yeah. Um, Can't wait okay. till next time. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> good night, everyone.
I remember this card. It's fucking busted. Yakov might get banned. I remember this card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. might get banned. It might honestly. get banned. It's, it's actually insane because the problem is... Save it for like, the podcast. Oh, my God. Save it for God. the podcast. Let's save it for the podcast. <laughs> 